Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside Podcast with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And, well, back to the farm for you this week, Kiri. Yes, I popped up to Ellerslie to see Willie Christian and his family with their recent imports of Brahman cattle. And what's, uh, what's so special about these Brahman cattle? Obviously, we'll hear it in detail uh, during the podcast, but the outline of it? Generally, they're a very good meat breed. They grow very fast, originating from the USA. And Willie's actually one of the very first people in the UK to import these embryos. And also um, within Europe as well, he's one of the founder members. And it's nice in this day and age, I suppose the Isle of Man... Uh, difficult enough to and uh, you know to to introduce things to the island because obviously the the getting to and from it, but people don't seem as frightened now to to have a a, a dabble if I can put it diplomatically in, yeah. in different breeds and different areas of of diversity. That's right. We're we're in agriculture. We're getting told to diversify, and um, I think people are looking for new markets and really trying to strive for success in in whatever they try to do. And uh, new genetics is always exciting and especially for a farmer and getting to and from the Isle of Man is expensive but um, you know it's definitely worthwhile and to have Brahmins in the Isle of Man is it, fantastic. Uh, he's only trying to do penty I think when it's <laughs> with the success with his cooking oil. <laughs> <laughs> I took a trip to uh, one of the well the only one I think I know of in the heart of uh, town certainly in Douglas uh, Alexandra Nurseries where Tom Long and his wife Helen and all the family are involved in running that business and uh, uh, we listen later on the programme that the history behind that is absolutely wonderful you know uh, with it so busy over 100 years ago with supplying the, the boarding houses and things remarkable It is brilliant isn't it to see it in town as well you know most green spaces are taken up now with development and such like so to have a family business is still you know, going ahead, striving hard. It is lovely to see. But mm. uh, what kind of things was he growing? Yeah, they, they do a lot of the cut flowers and stuff at the moment. Um, and the they, great thing, they, they have the little sheds, you know, the polytunnels and things, where they've got um, seeds that they've started off of various vegetables you know, to oh, get going so lovely. people can come and buy them and actually plant them in their own allotments and you oh, know, to give them a head idea? start, you know, where, where they need that sort of initial... Uh, tender love and care and stuff and also um, the fresh herbs and things that they're doing as well which a lot of people are uh, seeing them all on these tally programs throw a bit of rosemary and a bit of oh it's great isn't stuff, it especially yeah. local homegrown stuff yeah. you, can't, you can't beat it no. it's a great idea and also um, following on from you talking to the girls from Crufts a few weeks ago um, I went along to find out more about uh, the Greyhound Aid League Isle of Man uh, and I spoke to Sally McMullen, um, who's one of the founder members of it, uh, to to see what that was all about. Because um, the initial outline of it is, you know, a lot of greyhounds involved in in the racing side of things, and some of them get injured, and some of them retire, and uh, they're sort of taking some of them on and trying to get new homes for them, you know, to to get a nice sort of life at the at well, the end of their careers. They've had a busy life. It's nice to see them have a comfortable home towards the. The twilight years and yeah, you know, a lot of lot of dogs are still very young when they finish racing. So there's a lot of good years left in them to be a nice pet or a companion for a walk. And oh, it doesn't mean great. just just because they're old doesn't mean to say they're useless. <laughs> <does it? laughs> this is very true. <laughs> Sit back and listen to this week's edition of Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <laughs> The 
there is a fantastic amount of very good nurseries around different parts of the Isle of Man, but not many that are situated still in the middle of towns. One such one that's left in Douglas is the Alexander Nurseries, and that's run by Tom Long and his wife Helen and their family. I went along and caught up with Tom to find out a bit of history about it first. We're over 120 years old. It originally started off by a chap called William Pollard, and he concentrated mainly on shrubs and trees, and then it was developed into a more of a market garden. The families who ran the place then were growing lots of salad crops and uh, still like lots of ornamentals and plants and various bits and bobs like that. And then over the years, it's gone from there, market gardens, and at one stage, there was also a nine-hole golf course and tennis courts incorporated in the in the nursery. You said about the salad sort of things that you grow and was that mainly for the businesses in Douglas at the time? When my grandfather was here he started working here in the 1920s they were growing a lot of salad crops for the boarding houses and hotels on the promenade. They produced tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce and all those were sent down onto the prom for all the hundreds of visitors we had in those days. The whole Douglas Promenade was full of board and houses, so it must have kept them busy back then. Well, it would have done from TT week right through to Grand Prix week. It was, it was the, the main source of income. That was what they did. It was Manx tomatoes, Manx lettuce, Manx cucumbers, something that you can't hardly get these days. What did they find to do in the winter time? Was it mainly sort of sorting out things for the next summer? Well, that would be it. They'd be preparing things and they would be getting their plants ready for the the following year they'd make a lot of holly wreaths around about christmas time and then they'd be forcing daffodil bulbs getting daffodils to flower early and then they'd be starting again with the tomato plants again once the spring came and the weather improved and there was always shrubs and things they were producing a lot of bedding plants in the summer as well so it was always always something going on it was an all-year-round sort of thing but the winter months would go a bit quieter but they'd find things to do what about the rivalry back then was there many other nurseries in douglas um, you know 100 and odd years ago well there would be the, up this top end of town there's lots of market gardens and nurseries they're all producing homegrown produce for the hotels there weren't there wasn't the imports of fruit and veg like there was those days the Isle of man was a lot more self-sufficient and up this top end of town, there'd be about seven or eight different nurseries all doing the same sort of thing. Hotchkiss had a big nursery up opposite uh, the grandstand there. They had a shop in town, so there was lots of nurseries all doing the similar sort of thing, all producing produce for the visitors. What about nowadays? Uh, are you the only one? It's I, th- I can't think of any more in the, in the centre of Douglas. Well, not where the only one really left now. There's, there's lots of other nurseries now, but on the outskirts of town, maybe towards Peel, but we're the last one in its original spot in Douglas, I think, yeah. What sort of things have you have you got in here? I'm looking outside there, and the, the, the polytunnels, as they call them now, and there's still one of the original greenhouses there, too? Well, that greenhouse was put up in 1977, so it's uh, getting on a bit now, but we replaced... That replaced old wooden greenhouses, which had been there nearly 100 years before that. So, yes, but now it's polytunnels, and we grow a lot of ornamental plants now for summer bedding plants, and also produce quite a lot of um, vegetable plants for people to come and buy and plant in their own gardens, like cabbages and cauliflowers and Brussels sprouts and tomatoes, you know, for the people to do the homegrown produce. When you say about the a lot of people now moved into doing a little bit for themselves after these tele programs yeah. and digging a little patch in the garden yeah. maybe having allotment is it is this sort of helping them out you get a lot of people coming in and getting a few things to get them going yeah it gives people ideas and it's easy to grow a few broad beans or a few broad beans and put a few lettuce plants in and you can't beat your own homegrown stuff it tastes a thousand times better than what you can buy in the shops and people are coming and buying a few seed potatoes now they're putting a few spuds in 
and then they'll have a go maybe growing a few tomatoes they might have a little greenhouse or they might put up a little uh, little polytunnel of their own back garden tomatoes and courgettes so yeah it's 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 good and there's the, the programs on the television do help things it gives people a few ideas it's just the, the old Manx weather though sometimes deters people a little bit and sometimes they might get a little bit eaten by slugs or smashed away by the wind and the rain but I think all the trouble that you put into it it is worth it and you get a far better healthier produce a nice crispy lettuce or a few tomatoes for your tea can't be bad can it if you nip out in your garden and get them and of course there's uh, some herbs here as well yeah. which uh, again are getting a big high profile for in involving cooking yeah. not quite the simpler um, spuds and heron that we had no no we sell a lot of herb plants as well and people can fill a little plant pot and put them at the back door by the kitchen there they can uh, pick a little bit of mint or a bit of parsley just to garnish their home cooking it's uh, you can't beat it but how relaxing yeah. is it when you're out there you know do, do you find you're in there on your own some evenings in the summer doing work and just that peaceful you and the plants yes yeah, it's, it's it's nice it's rewarding to see um the fruits of your labor you from growing plants from a little seed into a little plant and you can see it going out in somebody's car and you think yeah that was uh, what was it an achievement to produce something nice and i hope people will have get some get some benefit and some pleasure out of it also the the time i've been here tom the, the people that's coming in and out uh, they seem to be on first name terms with most of them. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I've got a, a very lot of loyal customers who I get back time and time again, whose family have been coming in here before me with my father and then my grandfather. They can all trace their times coming here to buy things. It's, we're very lucky in that respect. I suppose about 70% of my customers, I could give them their first name. Oh, it's like a few new ones coming in through the door, though. It, it doesn't ever go to miss, but well, I'm very lucky, yeah, yeah. And I think we all, we all seem to get on well and they all come back anyway. So uh, must be doing something right, I think. <laughs> Tom Long from the Alexander Nurseries in the heart of Douglas there. What a fantastic set of all that history and being involved in the family for so long. And, you know, we, we associate Kiri out in the country, don't we? Uh, but to see one still going in the middle of a town that it's hasn't been snapped rare. up for development. <laughs> That's right. It's very rare to see it. It's such a big space as well to grow all the flowers and, and plants it's lovely to see a family business you know being successful and continuing for many years as well and not many farmers i suppose are, are really proud gardeners are they if they can if they could plow it up and plant a, <laughs> a few spuds in it it's going to be more benefit but but it is you know there are so many different choices around the isle of man but one's still there with so much steeped in history you know from from feeding the boarding houses years ago and you know yeah so. it's a shame that boarding houses are gone you know that local produce is still at the forefront and yeah it's it's lovely to see a, an old traditional business continuing yeah it's a shame they do die off but hopefully the family will keep this one going though they will uh, old traditions indeed but uh, something new that she went to find out about wasn't there yes i popped up to ellerslie to see two special editions at the farm two brahmin calves they were imported from the USA as embryos implanted into Aberdeen Angus surrogate mothers and now they're born on the ground in Crosby. Really lovely sight. And I spoke to Willie Christian to see how it all came about. The calves are a result of a project I started about four years ago. It sounds slightly mad, but um, I picked up some years ago on work that uh, was going in on Australia regarding meat grading. They were looking for changes to their meat grading system and something which would be recognised by the consumer. They've been developing over the last 10 years a system of grading based on tenderness. The number one tenderness animal in the world, shall we say, 
has turned out to be the Brahmin. Two thirds of the world's cattle have Brahmin in them in one form or another. So uh, that's really what alerted me to the Brahmins. So you went out and you purchased some eggs and brought them back to the UK. These, I believe these are the first calves ever imported into the UK. These are the first Brahmins ever imported into the UK that we're aware of and also the second into Europe. Uh, there's a guy in Germany just ahead of us who's on exactly the same uh, tact as I am. Yeah, so uh, it was a little difficult to decide how to go about getting animals here so we decided on doing it on the basis of bringing embryos in. And the mothers you've implanted these eggs into are, are the Aberdeen Angus. They seem like really maternal cows to carry these eggs and it's been a very successful pregnancy so far and obviously they've been born and the temperature here in the Isle of Man is very cold somewhat to what the, the Brahmins are used to really I suppose. Are they adapted okay? Yeah they're adapting okay. Temperature wise you must remember that in the uh, deserts and everything uh, and the more well, in the world generally speaking nighttime temperatures are usually uh, pretty cold so uh, they are capable of surviving uh, temperatures but it will be interesting to see how they adapt to our climate. And long term what kind of animal will they turn into compared to what everybody sees in the fields around the Isle of Man? These calves have got a a hump on their back they've got very long ears you know they're already a massive growth rate yeah well the european animals that we're used to shall i say have been developed for yield and like i say these guys here have turned out to be the number one in the world for tenderness the consumer today has a, a fairly big disposable income so the longer term project now is to see and this is going to take three four five years uh, going now to see what we can cross with, cross the Angus, and you get a Brangus, as they say, Charolais, Limousins. The breed societies have already expressed an interest. The eldest one, bull calf we have, he's already going to stud at 12 months. And will he be used within the UK, or will he go into Europe? He will be used wherever. The ultimate ambition is to get him to stud in Holland, which yeah. means that uh, with Holland's health status, yeah. they can travel anywhere. But at the moment, yeah, we're 12 months, hopefully, we will have him stand in, in stud. Will he stay in the Isle of Man for stud, or does he have to go back to the UK to go on centre? They go to the UK, and like I say, the hope is, which at this stage it's all hope, yeah, sure. depending on interest and, and so on and so forth, and the growth rates and goodness knows what all, is to get them to Holland. They look such lovely, quiet cattle. They seem very docile compared to some of the British breeds. You know, the European breeds seem very flighty, but these two calves are so quiet and lovely to handle as well. In selecting the bulls that we selected, we selected two bulls. The Brahman Society selects, or the features that they look for, are marbling and tenderness, and they're both scored on that. So we looked for a guy, for bulls that uh, had high scores in both those traits, mm -hmm. tenderness in marbling, etc., especially tenderness, because that's the, the angle I'm on. And then we had to try and uh, find uh, females that were, shall we say, of the top ilk that we could uh, match these bulls up to. So that's taken a while. So Certainly not done overnight, all of this. How long have you been working away at this? Believe it or not, uh, like I said at the start, I'm four years down the line. And has it been a family decision to do this or is it just your own little project? No, I've kept it to myself, uh, <laughs> by and large. A friend of ours came to inspect them the first night. One was uh, a carb to have a look at him. He turned up about 11 o'clock. So he'd been in the loop for a little while. But uh, as like he said, while he was having a cup of tea, uh, 
this is the end of four years' work to Linda. And Linda said, well, I've only known about it for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Your poor wife. <laughs> but, no, it's, it's lovely to see new genetics, new breeds coming to the UK and, and within Europe as well. But all the way to the Isle of Man, you know, it's an expensive job, isn't it, really? It's not been the cheapest of projects, shall we say. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't ride motorbikes anymore or do anything uh, exotic, so... Uh, so we hope in the future these will go on and, and, and do well. The tenderness is a big factor in the, within the beef industry now. There seems to be a lot more swing back towards the native cattle, the Aberdeen Angus, the Hereford, etc. So there could be a real place for the, for the Brahmin then. Yeah, well, when me and Penty were on the, the abattoir project, going to build our own abattoir, one of the places we visited, or I visited, was uh, Jody Schechter's, the ex-racing Formula One racing driver. He has a place in Hampshire where all of the main restaurants and chefs in uh, England and primarily London get their meat from. This is a state-of-the-art place, eliminating stress and whatever else, because stress creates tough meat, Mm -hmm. as uh, everybody will know. The whole object of his setup is to make everything as stress-free as possible and make everything as tender as possible. So uh, I learnt a lot from seeing how he operated his plant, etc., etc. So I would say... They will not be putting these through a commercial plant at this no. stage. As I say, it's going to take three, four years, maybe five years to get uh, animals on the ground commercially and see how they perform. As I say, the breed societies have shown an interest now in wanting straws, etc., etc. So uh, we've already spoken to restaurants and uh, whatever in London and uh, uh, given them dossiers of what these animals are about and uh, there's information from what we're getting back. uh, It's all looking... Positive. You mentioned one of the bull calves will go to stud. The other bull calf, he might possibly stay here. Will you do your own project within in the farm? Well, we've had an inquiry from uh, France about the other fella. So uh, subject to uh, his growth rates and what various other uh, data about him, he may go to France if the deal is cracked. And that was Willie Christian from Ellerslie chatting about his Brahmin calves. Strange looking ones. Um, I know it's it's radio but if, you, if you're thinking what, what type of cattle they are or calves they are, if you go to the Max Radio website page and uh, you can go to of course Countryside Podcast and listen to the programme in its entirety again if you wish <laughs> but uh, there'll be pictures there as well off, off to go with the stories and strange looking ones I suppose aren't they? They're really lovely they're so docile but they are gigantic. They really are massive compared to a normal calf, I feel. They, their big droopy ears just set them off. They're just fantastic. It's something very new for the Isle of Man. Is it something really pushed on by the way that people are expansively cooking and eating, I suppose, and wanting something different that's supposed to be tenderer? Yeah, people are looking for quality within the meat. And, you know, that they want a great eating experience. And Willie's trying to go down this track of... Um, providing what these people want and hopefully in time he will be able to supply a good amount of the brahmin meat and it is supposed to be one of the tenderest meat in the world do you think um you know is he is he waiting to sort of get what feedback from them before he expands he's he's had uh, quite a lot of interest so hopefully it will be something that he'll be able to get into quite broadly and and progress well but it's, it's so new it's all a learning curve for for him and the family but uh, as they stand at the minute they're they're very lovely animals yeah we wish them well with that oh definitely <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. 
Well, on a couple of weeks ago on the programme, uh, Kiri was talking to some of the successful participants in this year's Crufts event. Well, keeping on the theme of dogs, I went out to find more about the Greyhound Aid League Isle of Man and spoke to one of the founder members, Sally McMullen. We established ourselves as a charity in 2012 and we've been working ever since to help with the welfare, rehoming, rescue, anything to do with greyhounds and other sighthounds such as lurchers and whippets, any kind of a sighthound really, which is quite a broad spectrum. Why particularly those breeds of dogs? Is it because of the environment that they're, they're bred into? It's because they are the only dogs bred for the human entertainment industry and they are bred in their thousands and when they are racing they have a home and they're cared for in the racing kennels but when they become surplus to requirement thousands and thousands of greyhounds then need a home they're discarded as no longer required by the racing industry what reasons are are they discarded for is it is it injury or coming last in all the races there is a wide range of reasons as to why they're no longer required it can be that at the age of maybe one year old they're tested for racing and if they show no inclination for racing they are not required it may be due to injury and injuries are quite common in the racing industry the speeds that the dogs travel at don't help you know with broken bones and and other injuries twists and strains and cuts and it may be that they are simply not winners they're not winning all the time and successful so there are plenty more greyhounds where they came from so they are they're no longer required and they're replaced by other greyhounds who might just do better so you could really get a hold of any age of a dog really they come in from one year old onwards and many of them are a very gentle and friendly dogs they're um well-trained, well-behaved on the whole because they've gone through the the racing kennels uh, where they have to behave in a certain way and they do actually make very good pets because of that. They learn how to walk on the lead properly and they tend to be very quiet and uh, calm, gentle dogs. They are quite thin and streamlined but pretty tall and long. Not going to eat you out of house and home, are they? No, uh, surprisingly, although they've got very long legs and they are very big dogs, they fold up quite small. Their leg, Once their legs are folded up, there's not a lot of dog there. They have two meals a day. After a couple of walks a day, they are quite happy to relax and spread out and sleep the rest of the day away. How do you get a hold of them and what do you do with them then? Find homes for them? Yes, there are many uh, rehoming centres throughout the UK who take in the dogs from the racing tracks and we then will find homes on the Isle of Man for them. We do a home visit and try and match the particular dog with a particular home as to whether the home has cats or children or other dogs or if they're on a farm with sheep. So we we are very careful to match the dogs and the the people together. But can you find homes from as quick as you can rescue the other ones? Sadly, no. Every home we find is wonderful because not only does that dog have a good home and a forever home for life where it will be happy and looked after it also releases a space in the rescue kennels for another dog to be taken in off the race tracks so each dog that finds a home it's two dogs saved but there's never enough there are so many thousands looking for homes 
we do our best and we are just a very small charity working with lots of other charities to do our best to find homes for them. What about people who maybe listen and think, oh, I'd like to support that and maybe have a dog as well? I mean, they're pretty fast creatures. (laughs) Do they need exercise 10 times a day? Surprisingly little compared with other working dogs. They do enjoy a couple of good half hour walks a day. They will enjoy being off the lead when and where that's appropriate. And they are very easy to look after. They adapt into family life very easily and love being pampered. They love their home comforts. They love a soft bed, plenty of food and lots of cuddles. So, yes, they do make very good pets. And what about if somebody wants more information on maybe taking one of the greyhounds or one of the dogs? If they would like to ring me, I'm on 409-543. And they can also have a look at our Facebook page, which is Greyhound Aid League Isle of Man. If people aren't able to home a dog, then we do have a lot of fundraising events throughout the year, a variety of events from coffee mornings to country fairs and anybody who would be interested in helping us would be very welcome or just supporting us by attending the events and coming along to have a look at some of the craft work we have available as well. So we do a lot of things throughout the year and all of this can be found on Facebook. Sally McMullen telling me all about the Greyhound Aid League Isle of Man and what a fantastic venture that is to to get these greyhounds and try and rehome them with different people and everything it's a lovely thing to be involved with isn't it it's really great to see something that towards the end of its life or an older dog being rehomed and looked after especially some of them have a, a busy lifestyle in their previous home possibly it's great to see any animal being looked after to its absolute Max, it's yeah, nice to probably see. Still, probably still young as well, that may be injured and can't well, race anymore, you see, as well. But it reminded me of the, of the horse's home a bit on Richmond Hill, you know, where, they, where they're cared for and the kids can go and see them. So It's nice for a group to get together and be enthusiastic and look after these dogs. It's vital, really. Yes, and while we're on the subject of dogs, let's just reiterate, we've had lots of... You'll have heard lots of comments about it recently, about... Uh, the dogs um, getting into sheep and I also had somebody on the phone as well saying uh, it's not just the sheep we've got to look out for um, you know if they get in with cattle and chase them and stir them up as well it winds the cattle up especially if they've got calves and can be very very dangerous can't they well that's it coming into this time of year there's a lot of people lambing and, and there's a lot of calves being born as well it's very dangerous for the person walking the dog too especially with the cattle but the the untold damage done with sheep you know it doesn't show for another 14 days or so and stillborn lambs isn't nice it isn't great for the farmer so it really is a push to try and keep all these dogs under control especially just this time of year and we were just talking about before um about you know how how well you think you know your dog Uh, once it sees it it's like a rabbit in the headlights isn't it It just can change just like that and the, the most calm placid dog in the world can just snap and change that's never done it before well this is right and everyone thinks oh Fido's you know he's never done anything like that but we've had even a working collie towards her end of her life 12 years old go and worry our own sheep and yeah she had to be put down if it was anybody else's dog it would have been the same Mm. but it's sad and it does happen yeah so please uh, if you're out and about uh, near any particular fields in the countryside Just make sure that your dog is uh, on a lead at this particular time of year. 
That's just about it for this week's Countryside, though. But just before we go, I've got time to mention that the Manx Plant and Garden Conservation Society, they're having an evening with Medwin Williams, very famous Welsh vegetable grower, 11-time winner of the gold medal at the Chelsea Flower Show. They've invited him over, and he's going to give a talk at their do at the St John's Methodist Hall. That's all happening on Tuesday the 12th of April. His topic, Growing for Gold. So uh, a very fascinating evening. So uh, if you want more details on that, you can contact Kathleen Morrie from the Manx Garden and Conservation Society for more details. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. There we go. Variety as usual on this week's Countryside, from calves to... uh, greyhounds and also uh, plants and herbs as well haven't we? Very lucky to have such a diverse culture in the Isle of Man really it's lovely to see especially the homegrown things and people trying to strive for success in new genetics it really does keep the Isle of Man going Yeah, and it gives you heart really because that's just a um, a sort of part of what the Isle of Man is isn't it you know people trying to to help as a sort of you know, venture, you know, to, to, to help animals, people looking after the community in the heart of Douglas, you know, keeping family businesses going, and people in in a fairly dire farming industry at the moment um, trying it. to strive for something new. Well, that's it. People are in, encouraged to diversify, especially within the agricultural industry, and it, it's nice that they are really trying to keep it going, and, um, yeah, without the farmers, I think it would be quite a, a dismal countryside, really, so... Yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll keep them supported. It, keep them supported. Okay, that's it for Countryside. We'll be back next week. So from me, Simon Clark, and me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you next week. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds, and the best value on the island from just twenty-three pounds ninety-five per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.